Chapter Eleven of the Fairy of the Snows, by Francis J. Finn S. J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Eleven: A Little Flower of the Blessed Sacrament. The communion class had been going on for full five weeks when, on coming up to the hall as usual, I missed Margaret Morrow. It was absolutely impossible not to miss the little child who, in the front row, led all the mites of six and seven in answering the short prayers at the beginning of the class. Impossible not to miss the little girl whose attention so caught me that often while instructing the whole class. I discovered myself unconsciously addressing myself to her. Somehow that morning the time dragged. The class of six hundred, because of the absence of one little child, of course there were others absent too, seemed to have lost its savor. Alice was awaiting me at my office when I came downstairs. Father, she said, Margaret was taken sick yesterday afternoon, and last night she had a high fever. She was talking of nothing all during the night but of Holy Communion, and of you, Father. She wants to see you so. She made me promise to ask you to come and see her. Is she better today? Mama thought she would be, but she was very weak this morning. When Mama asked her whether she wanted breakfast this morning, she said she wanted Father Carney. Tell Margaret, my dear, that I'll be down this afternoon the first chance I get. Accordingly, at five o'clock I entered the moral tenement. All the family, save Margaret, were gathered about the kitchen stove, the school children busy with their books and slates, Mrs. Morrow plying, as usual, the untiring needle, and the head of the family dandling the baby boy in his arms. They jumped up on my arrival, and all at once, in various language, expressed a hearty welcome. Margaret will be so glad, said Alice, squeezing up to me. She's been asking every five minutes almost whether Father Carney was coming. How is she? Nothing seems to be the matter with her, answered Miss Murrow, except that she is so very weak. This morning, after the other children had gone to school, she begged me to let her get up, but of course I kept her in bed. Then she asked whether she couldn't get up at one o'clock so that she could go to the communion class. I told her to wait, and I would see about it. Between nine and ten o'clock I went downstairs to get some groceries, and my husband came along with me. We were gone only a few minutes, but when I came back, I found Margaret holding one stocking in her hand and lying on the floor. She had attempted to get up and dress. She wasn't unconscious either, but she was so weak that she fell over and couldn't get up. And father, supplemented Alice, when mamma said, Margaret, why didn't you stay in bed? She answered, I don't want to miss communion class. And when mamma told her she'd have to stay at home, she turned her face to the wall and said not a word. But mamma could see that she was crying. Gee, said Francis, now gone into a sturdy boy of eight or nine, I wish I was as anxious to make my first communion as Margaret is. Have you had a doctor for Margaret, Mrs. Morrow? No, father, do you think it is necessary? My children have all been so healthy that I've never thought of getting a doctor. If you have no objection, I'll have Dr. Kelly call tonight or tomorrow morning. Thank you, father. I'd have sent for one myself. But, but, I understand, Mrs. Murrow, but don't worry about the expense. Dr. Kelly would charge it to me. And now let me see Margaret. The mother and I went into the adjoining room together. Margaret was evidently awaiting me. She was supported in a half-reclining position on two pillows. Oh, father, she said, and caught my hand. I am so glad to see you. Well, Margaret, my little dear, how do you feel? All right, 
only i have a pain here she said putting her hand on her nightdress a little below the neck but it isn't much father are you going to put me out of the cloth why margaret cause i missed to-day margaret you may miss a week if you like and i promise not to put you out you know that to-day a week all the little children in the first second and third grade are going to make their first communion privately and may i make it with them father even if i'm thick yes my dear every day if you keep on missing alice will explain the lesson and alice knows the catechism better than any one of the six hundred is there anything else you want margaret yes father i want to go to confession the mother retired and the pale beautiful waxen-faced child told her little tale in perfect innocence simplicity and love at the end i gave her a special blessing and expressed the hope that she would be with us on the morrow but the hope was not realized dr kelly called at my office next morning just as i was making ready to go up to the hall father that little girl margaret morrow is i fear a very sick girl indeed you don't say so doctor i certainly do her heart is weak very weak unless matters take a turn for the better in three or four days i don't see how i can pull her through i suppose you're rather surprised to see me coming in when i could get you on the phone you read my thoughts doctor well the fact is little margaret insisted on my coming to see you personally before eleven o'clock this morning she doesn't care a snap of her pretty little fingers what i think of her case but she cares everything as to what you think she wants to make her communion with the little ones of her grade next monday that would mean a miracle very well then i said we'll have the miracle just as you say father said the doctor with his dry wise smile but one thing is certain you're not going to get her out of her snowy cot it is snowy by george if it isn't a tenement till i say so who's running this thing i am said dr kelly how much per visit five hundred per with the usual discount to the clergy i charged david my present office boy the successor of michael who had left me for a fine position to call up miss quinlan and the misses margaret and teresa dalton and let them know at once that margaret morrow was very ill as the week went on there came no improvement to the sick child she grew quieter said little and lay in her snowy cot a gift from teresa dalton so arranged that her eyes could fall when she listed upon her favorite picture she showed no anxiety to get well except in so far as it would enable her to go to holy communion on the coming monday on saturday the doctor called me up i'm sorry to say father that your sweet charming impatient little friend is not long for this world there is no cure for a heart like hers i at once telephoned miss quinlan and the daltons on sunday afternoon i was again with my little invalid no flower was ever fairer than her face illness had made it sweeter and added to it an otherworldliness and the beauty of which in the face of death is born of childlike faith and innocence the room as usual spotless was bright and gay with lilies and fragrant with violets margaret and teresa dalton and miss quinlan were present i could easily account for the flowers father said alice speaking as i could see in the name of the whole family and of the three visitors margaret has become so worried to-day the doctor told her at last that she positively could not get up for monday and i told the doctor the other day when he said that it would take a miracle to get her ready for communion with the others that if it were necessary we would have a miracle oh father cried alice are you going to work a miracle no my dear 
but what greater miracle is there in the world than for our lord to come to the homes of sick little boys and girls when they can't come to him margaret my dear how would you like our lord to come to you tomorrow morning margaret sat up in bed oh so much went out the two hands fluttering like white doves in a sweeping far-flung gesture and with it the frail body sank back upon the cot would you like me to examine you my dear you know all the little ones of your class have been examined already and all have passed i believe there are none in the first grade who know their matter better than you so you needn't be afraid i'm not afraid said margaret making an endeavor to sit up and failing lie just as you are margaret now when you go to communion what do you receive the body and blood of our lord under the form and look of bread and when you receive what does the thing you receive look like bread what does it taste like bread then it is bread no it isn't said margaret and margaret shook her head with vigor how do you know it isn't bread by faith our lord told us and do you believe it firmly margaret nodded her head with still greater vigor may you eat anything before communion not from twelve o'clock at night unless you are very very thick and are you very very sick i don't know i want to be a sister or die well margaret tomorrow at nine o'clock i am coming here with our lord and you needn't fast i want to fast she said decidedly you do as mamma tells you and margaret when people are very sick what does the priest do he anoints them with holy oil exthrimunction then i am going to anoint you so that if it's god's will you may get well thank you father am i going to have my communion dress you certainly are my pet put in miss quinlan and father if you have no objection margaret and teresa delton and myself will be here nothing would please me better the three young ladies were near to tears next morning when i entered the room hallowed by the innocent invalid i noticed in a glance the loving care of loving hands on every side there were flowers in profusion the table was covered with a snow-white cloth and everything upon it from crucifix to silver spoon was immaculate poverty hand in hand with cleanliness has a beauty all its own upon the cot lay margaret in the white splendor of her communion dress should an angel be called upon to assume a human vesture he need have gone no further than the room in this poor tenement love devotion faith gave the fair face a beauty that is beyond the gift or power of this earth miss quinlan's whispered she is an angel seemed to have a literal meeting supported by alice on one side and miss quinlan on the other margaret received him who still calls out suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not for of such is the kingdom of heaven slowly she was allowed to sink back upon her pillow where with closed eyes she remained perfectly still only for a slight movement of the lips one would have thought her dead we tiptoed out of the room a great reverence had come upon us all and for several minutes we spoke in whispers so low were our tones that a faint voice within calling father caused me to start well margaret i said in answer to her call father may i may i go often my child if you like you may receive our lord every day a wave of beauty the beauty that is not of the earth swept over the face now father i am going to pray for you by the way i observed to miss quinlan as we picked our way down the sagging steps i have now given four sacraments to margaret morrow four father yes i heard her confession anointed her and gave her holy communion and then you ought to know 
I baptized her. My father, I understand that the Morrows have only been three or four years in the city. Yes, but at the time Margaret was born, Mr. Morrow had some sort of fuss with the parish priest, who had scolded him for his drinking habits. As a result, he wouldn't have Margaret, when she was a baby, brought to the baptismal font, and so her baptism went by default. Miss Margaret Dalton here found out the circumstances, and brought Margaret and Francis to me. She was baptized along with Francis two years ago when she was four years of age. Margaret, observed Miss Quinlan, while I've been wasting my time, you've been doing good. I've heard of how you and Teresa have brought ever so many poor people back to the practice of the religion. I wish I had done more. Oh, Father Carney, I've got a guardian angel again. Indeed. Yes, but it's a different one. Margaret Murrow is mine. The little darling is praying for me, and actually I can feel it affecting me. Miss Margaret, any time you want a companion in your work, call on me. And so every morning I brought the sacred host into the tenement and every morning the red-faced woman, whom Michael had so graphically described, was out on the landing to inquire how the little angel was doing. Even she was touched into something finer for the presence of the dying child. On the eighth day I could not but observe that Margaret was perceptibly weaker. Before giving her Holy Communion I heard her confession, at the end of which I asked, "'How are you feeling, Margaret?' "'I have a pain here,' she answered, putting her hand over her heart. "'I've had it all night.' Do you want the pain to go away? I want Holy Communion. And, Margaret, my dear, if our Lord wants to take you away, are you willing to go? Oh, yes, Father. Then tell our Lord that you are willing to give up your life, if he wants you to. There was a short pause. Margaret's lips were moving feebly. Then she said in a voice grown perceptibly weaker, I have told him. The child looked up at me as she said these words and smiled. After her communion, while the family knelt about her, I assisted her in her thanksgiving. Alice, I said to my faithful companion down the stairway, I think that Margaret is very near to heaven. She must know it herself, for just now, as I was going, she took my hand and said, Goodbye, Father, I have told him. Now, if any change takes place, tell Mamma to send for me at once. All right, Father. Oh, how I wish I was in Margaret's place. Slowly I went my way over to Sycamore, slowly up the hill from Third to Fourth Street, and paused. It seemed to me that, in a sense, I was walking with God. The angels, the angels of the blessed Eucharist, the angels of little children were accompanying me. Slowly, almost reluctantly, I resumed my way. Suddenly, out of the hurly-burly of the great city, my ear picked out light footsteps coming rapidly behind me. I turned, and I was not at all surprised to discover Alice. She had, I surmised, run all the way from her home, run in that light, graceful manner I had observed in her so many times before. Father, she said, she has taken the turn. Mamma says she is in her agony. She called for you three times. Had I heard that call? Why had my steps become slower and slower? Why had I even paused and waited? Why had I listened for those footfalls and caught them out of all the noises of the great city? We hastened back. Margaret was gasping and breathing labor laboriously. I took her hand. Margaret, I called three, several times with pauses between. Those gentle lips were never to answer more. Let us say the prayers for a departing soul, I said to the assembled family, and forthwith I began the litany of the dying. With every invocation the breathing became quieter, less labored. At the end of the litany I paused and bent over the unconscious child. She was still breathing, and I went on reading the prayer which follows the litany. Let us pray. Depart, O Christian soul, out of the sinful world, 
in the name of god the father almighty who created thee in the name of jesus christ the son of the living god who suffered and died for thee in the name of the holy ghost who sanctified thee in the name of the angels archangels thrones dominations cherubim and seraphim i paused and bent down the gentle breathing had not ceased in the name of the patriarchs and prophets of the holy apostles and evangelists of the holy martyrs and confessors of the holy monks and hermits of the holy virgins and of all the saints of god let peace come to thee this day a tiny sigh as of one sinking to grateful rest brought me to a pause margaret morrow had breathed her last then i finished and let thy abode be in holy sion through christ our lord amen and there in that lowly room with father mother brother and sisters weeping silently i was filled with the sense of invisible presences it was not a place of death but of glory the heaven that hung about margaret morrow in her infancy had reached her again and of it for the moment we were all partakers and so the girl whom i had two years before baptized whom i in the name of the church had adjured saying receive this white garment which mayest thou carry without stain before the judgment seat of our lord jesus christ that thou mayest have life everlasting whom i had further abjured saying receive this burning light and keep thy baptism so as to be without blame observe the commandments of god that when our lord shall come to his nuptials thou mayest meet him together with all the saints in the heavenly court and mayest have eternal life and live for ever and for ever this little girl having at the bidding of the church preserved her white garment unstained and kept her baptism without blame at the same bidding departed out of this sinful world into peace and into her abode in holy sion there is i fancy a chosen band in heaven so like the holy innocents first flowers of christ's coming yet so different margaret Merle was one of the first their number has grown into the thousands this beatrice band which follows the lamb whithersoever he goes is made up of the dear little children who thanks to the great and glorious pontiff pius x called early to communion have been early changed into other christ and brought early to heaven the holy innocence of the blessed eucharist End of chapter 11 recording by maria therese